Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And Peyton Jones. Coming to you for the Church Planner Podcast, where the jokes are fresh and the information valuable once you get to it. Yeah, which might take a while. I, you know, I, okay, so uh, churchleaders.com just launched a podcast. And uh, what was funny is I was reading through the reviews and it goes, just the right length and they don't take forever to get there. And I'm like, hey, that must be one of our listeners. <laughs> Well, you know, here's the deal is, oh, I have great smack talk today. But but first, today's topic is going to be on leadership teams and leadership team dynamics. Now, we're not talking about fist leadership, but we're it'll obviously bleed into it. We're going to talk about elders and deacons, how you structure your church leadership and uh, what that looks like. Boom. And I think we should also mention that this week's podcast is brought to you by MoGive. M O G I V dot com. <laughs> hey, uh, Peyton, let me ask you a question. Sure, Pete. Have you been thinking about doing some online giving for your church? Yeah, absolutely. Have you Everybody. been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder? No. Oh. Well, that's good. <laughs> Boy, well, have I got a deal for you then. A better solution is here. It's MoGive.com, and that's spelled M-O-J-I-V.com. It's an online and text-based giving solution built specifically for the needs of new and growing churches. If you want to find out more, go to MoGive.com forward slash church. That's George. MoGive.com forward slash church. So, hey, cool little thing about that is I was actually uh, kind of poking around on the Internet yesterday, as you do, and I noticed some of our listeners have some cool stuff going, and they're actually using MoGib. So that was pretty cool. So You were just like, you mean you were just on someone's site, and you know that they're a listener, and you saw MoGib? Absolutely. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, It's really cool, but it's actually on multiple sites. No wonder listeners are using Mogib. I'm I was impressed. <laughs> no wonder they keep sponsoring the podcast. They're like the ones that are like, don't tell anyone else about your podcast. <laughs> Just keep letting it coming. Us yeah, that's all we're saying. Sponsor keep showing it. podcast some love. <laughs> yeah. So um what's your epic smack talk? I want to hear it. Okay. So I was, you know, poking around on the internet like you do, but I, you know, said that before. 
But uh, I actually did not know. Did you know that one of the drafts for Return of the Jedi actually ends with Han Solo dying? I had not heard this. Where did you hear this? So he dies at the shield generator on the Internet. Everything you read is true on the Internet. But uh, you can Google this. And uh, they thought it was too dark. And Lucas was like, because you know that he didn't really write... um, the screenplays for Jedi and Empire. It's why they're so good and um, <laughs> you know, significantly better than, than a new hope. And uh, not, not that I don't have great respect and love for the man um, when, you know, he let other people make star Wars, but the, the reality is that um, he, he felt it was, it was too dark. So he, he vetoed it, you know, cause it, you know, he has a rubber stamp that he approves or vetoes everything. He vetoed that because Han Solo actually dies. It's kind of like a sacrificial thing. His sacrifice allows him to blow up the Death Star. That was originally why he wasn't piloting the Millennium Falcon and Lando was, because they were going to kill Han Solo. It's kind of weird to think about it, right? Like, why was Han Solo not in the Millennium Falcon? So they had writ the whole Well, because story. he was going to the, the uh, moon of Endor. And yeah, he couldn't get past it- the security checkpoint in the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, but why does it have to be Han Solo? Like it, it, the the original plot line was to kill him because you need a star leading the assault on Endor. It yeah, makes perfect you know sense. It makes perfect sense. You know what I love is the fact that um, when they go, you know, uh, was it was G- uh, a general. Is it Mon Mothma where she goes? Many rebel rebel spies died to give us this information. So the spinoff film for Star Wars. There's two of them. One is called Rogue One, and that's going to be about that team who died to smuggle the Death Star plans. The second spinoff movie is about Boba Stinkin' Fett. Oh, yeah. Hector Moore is not listening anymore. Yeah, you know what's really interesting about Boba Fett is if uh, if you think about it, the dude was in like all of five minutes of screen time in the movie and just became like this you know, larger than life star that everyone wanted to talk about. I think honestly, it's because his outfit was so yep. unique and so cutting edge. Oh, yeah. how could you not help, but love Bubba Fett? Oh yeah. Well, and what a lot of people don't realize is the, uh, Frank McCory, the guy who designed the Stormtroopers, Boba Fett, Darth Vader. Um, originally Boba Fett's costume is a lot like the Stormtroopers were supposed to be. So when they ex nade the original stormtrooper uniform, he used it. He recycled it for a bounty hunter named Boba Fett. And uh, the, the, Boba Fett first got his first appearance in a cartoon um, during the uh, Christmas special. And then everyone went nuts over him in that Christmas special. We should post that on YouTube on the, uh, or the YouTube clip on church. Planet Magazine, <laughs> church Planet all of Magazine. you care about this. Of course. And, uh, but anyways, going back to the story, um, so Return of the Jedi, Luke actually cracks at, um, his confrontation with Vader. He can't do it. He cracks. He has a meltdown. Um, he can't go through with it. I don't know if he dies or not. I don't think he dies, but he can't do it. And so, uh, what ends up happening is the film was supposed to end without Vader or Palpatine dying. And remember, there was three more movies yet to be made. Well, they weren't going to be made like, you know, 30 years in the future. Um, they were going to pick up, but it was going to be Leah or Leia who was going to take down Darth Vader. That's why when Yoda goes, wait, there is another, um, you know, the, the, the whole thing was a setup to kill Luke and to pass the mantle to Leia. And then Leia brings him down. Believe it or not. Yeah. I don't think that would have worked out too, too well because Luke Skywalker Agreed. was was everybody's hero. So you kill off Luke Skywalker and they weren't going to kill him though. He was just going to like, I don't know if when they, when they, you know, I read that like he has a a mental break or something like that. He just, he isn't strong enough to take down Darth Vader, but Leah is Leia. Leia. Say your name, right? Come on. I know. Hey, Hey, I'm still not as bad as Mark Hamill who yells out Carrie during one of the scenes in empire. You know that, right? No. In the hangar scene at the very beginning, when uh, he sees um, Carrie Fisher, rather than yelling out Leia, he yells out Carrie. 
and it's still in the movie. No, you had no. I don't believe that. Nope. George okay, Lucas I'll would have you. fixed it by I'll now. I'll bet you. He's, I'll he bet he you. made it so Han Solo, Solo shoots last. Um, no, I'll. Uh, I I'll bet, bet you he fixed you, it. I'll bet you next month's Mo Give contribution. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Neither one of us ever see that. <laughs> no, we use that to pay our toadies. Exactly. <laughs> So, anyways, okay, so that was my epic smack talk. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe any of that, actually, because this is the first time I'm hearing about it, so I, I don't buy it. Yeah. And uh, Stormtroopers didn't bump their head in Episode 4. It didn't happen. Did they? Which scene? Are you, are you serious? You yeah. don't know about this? No, I've heard about it, but I honestly don't think I ever really cared. In, in, in the... Uh, in episode four in the trash compactor scene where the stormtroopers open the door and C3PO and R2D2 are controlling all the, uh, the stuff, you know, in the control room. And in the prequels, um, they actually show Jango Fett bump his head when he comes out of slave one on purpose. Okay. To kind of say, well, you know, these guys were clones of him. He was a little bit of a klutz. I'll take your word for it. Huh? I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I don't. So, I don't anyway. think I have much smack talk to do today. I mean, I don't have any good stories. You realize it for the next year, all of our smack talk is going to be about Star Wars. I will say this: in in, in dealing with Luke, my my three and a half year old son, he's been really into the Avengers lately. So I went and saw the Avengers on Sunday just to kind of you know see if I wanted to take him to it. I'm not. I'm going to actually wait until he's older. I think there's a little bit. Too much killing in this, and I don't, I don't want to expose into that. So yeah. yeah, I tried. I tried talking to girls yesterday. They're like, "Oh, if it's raining tomorrow, which it, it's raining today," Andrew's like, "Let's take let's take the girls to go see Home, which looks completely lame." <laughs> and I'm like, "Hey, we could go see the Avengers," and that that yeah, that fell flat. Yeah, so he's really been into the Hulk, like. Big time into the Hulk. He's just going around everywhere. Hulk smash, Hulk smash. And so he, he, we can't get him to eat vegetables at all. So last night we had some broccoli with dinner. And of course he won't eat it. So I'm like, well, if you want to grow up big and strong like dad, you got to eat your broccoli. He's like, no. I go, how about if you want to grow up big and strong like the Hulk? And then he would eat the broccoli. True story. Oh, snap. Yeah. And, um, and then, so I'm like, hey, what do you want to be for Halloween? Even though, you know, obviously that's months and months away. He's like, I want to be Hulk. And Jamie's like, yeah, I thought we were going to probably go with the Star Wars theme for this Halloween, which obviously is perfect. And so my retort to that is, okay, well, I'm going to go as Darth Vader. He can yes. go as Luke Skywalker. Yes. She's got to go as Queen Amidala. And then Baby Mackenzie, we're going to put some... uh Leia earmuffs on her, and she's going to be uh, baby Leia. That's awesome, dude. I'm just you, saying. you don't want your wife to go as oh, so she's going as Queen Amidala, like Padme. Padme, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to have a little like droid. You need to make like your wife like she's pregnant, like she's giving birth. And you need that little robot going ooh ba ooh ba behind her the whole night. That'd be awesome. She goes, she goes. I don't know what we can make Mackenzie be. I go, salacious scrums, salacious. <laughs> Oh, yes, dude. Someone please wear a Jabba costume and have the baby kind of resting on you and going. <laughs> That'd be awesome. You got to train the baby to talk. Dude, the last like week I walk out to the uh, to the dining room after my shower and, and usually Luke's having his breakfast right then. And there in the seat at the head of the table is the uh, blow up R2-D2 uh <laughs> <laughs> that you saw at my house. And like they've put him in the chair. So it looks like R2D2 sitting at the table eating. Dude, man, I I so want a boy. I want a boy. <laughs> Andrew's Andrew's broody for a baby again. Oh, and no. knock it off. I'm telling you, knock it off. Don't go I'm for it. You, well, I keep saying no. And then yesterday I went to the Disney store and uh I walk in there and dude, there's like one whole wall that just makes me mourn like <laughs> I need a boy. And dude, dude you got your daughter into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and like every other good show out there. Oh, Why, dude. And we walked out of there with um, 
I kid you not, I bought three Star Wars t-shirts yesterday. I bought a Jedi shirt, I bought an old school 70s shirt, and I bought a Japanese Star Wars shirt with all the Japanese writing. I, dude, I'm telling you, I scored yesterday, but we walk, my, my two year old is super into balls. And so any, any ball, like we go to Target, they got that big wire cage full of balls. She goes nuts over that. Toys R Us. <laughs> so do I. All- <laughs> Don't tell anyone, but so do I. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I do is when we go place, I just throw balls and Pete goes and chases them. And, uh, anyways, <laughs> throw it again, Brandon, throw it again, throw it again. <laughs> We got work to do, man. So, anyways, the uh, the Death Star, um, they got a, a rubber ball, and it's super cool. It's even got the little indent where the laser beam comes out of the cannon. Oh yeah, we got that. Yeah, dude. So I got one of those yesterday, and so there's like a little Death Star being thrown around my house. Right? Oh yeah, now. we got one of those. So hey, should we probably get into our topic? We probably should because we've just lost um, Hector Mora, but that's all right. It's Hector. I think Hector Mora's actually turned to the dark side recently because he he. I put Happy Star Wars Day, you know, May the Fourth be with you, and then on the fifth, I I tweeted something like, and it shows up on my Facebook when I tweet, and I put Happy Cinco de Mayo, which I think is Star Wars Day, but for Spanish speakers. And then I, I looked up, may the force be with you in Spanish and Hector, you know, replied in Spanish, which is something about the emperor. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, uh, he may have turned to the dark side here and actually broke down and watched Star Wars so he could be a real man and a church planner. Jamie went to Disneyland on May 4th and she was like, yeah, they had. Star Wars, everything at Disneyland. Stormtroopers are walking around the place. Darth Vader. And I'm like, yeah, it's May the 4th. She's like, what does that mean? I go, it's May the 4th. She's like, what? May the 4th be with you? <laughs> She's like, oh, that's dumb. What? I know. I know. It's not dumb. I know. I know. So anyway, uh, let's get on with today's topic. Uh, You know, I'm going to fire up a little Doc Brown. I know we haven't heard from Doc Brown in a while, but uh, here's Doc Brown for you. Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. All right, Mr. Peyton Jones, what is this week's topic? So this week's topic is on leadership. Not that Pete or myself are qualified to even talk about that, but though I did um, write a book on leadership. Did you really? Leader fail. Oh, I have that. I actually read that. That was a good book. Yeah. You didn't read Church Serial. Cha-ching! Hey, I was on a show this week, and I could say Church Zero as much as I want and not have to say cha-ching. That was a good feeling. Because it wasn't your show? Yeah. That's the rule. You can go on anyone else's show. I don't know. We make other people say cha-ching when they come on our show. Well, that's the rule on our our podcast. You know, I don't think we made Dave Ferguson do it when he came on and uh, promoted. Oh, uh, we didn't, but we did the first time. Remember? Yeah, the, the first, first time. time we yeah. made him say "cha-ching," and he <laughs> he said it very awkward, didn't he? Well, he I just remember cha-ching. Ed Stetzer. He was like, "That's as subtle as a heart attack." <laughs> <laughs> I want to get Ed back on. He was cool. I'll, I'll never forget his uh, comment. So. Uh, he goes, uh, so, uh, like, who are you guys? Are, are, are you guys like hanging out in mom's garage, drinking beer and making podcasts? <laughs> we're like, that's pretty close <laughs> and not far off, dude. No, we're, we're actually grown people. Um, we do church plant and, uh, yeah, uh, but I loved, I loved his response to us. So I sent you a bunch of clips for the podcast yesterday. And you're probably like, dude, leave me alone. I did. I totally just ignored him. I'm like, I don't I need think, to be uh, messing around with some Pee Wee Herman, Herman clips. Yeah. yeah, I sent you Pee Wee Herman. I sent you a bunch of Beavis and Butthead. Um, it's pretty funny stuff. <laughs> you know we're supposed to be on to the topic now. We're done yeah, with SmackDown. I know. But my favorite one is like, shut up and give us the money. <laughs> Anyways, I thought it was funny. So anyways, uh, our topic today is leadership. And we're going to talk a little bit about elders and deacons. How do you appoint? Can you hear that in the background? Yeah. What is that? That's my baby monitor. My wife keeps, oh, funniest thing yesterday. Still, still smack talk. I'll get to the topic. Yesterday I'm praying, uh, with, with two of the barnacles. Um, we're doing a conference call and, um, I'm praying and I'm, I'm just saying, Lord, you know, I've had a lot of demonic attack, right? 
you know, recently and it has, which I haven't told you about, but, um, as soon as I'm doing that, my wife is in the baby's room and she starts like goofing off with the baby. And I got a monitor in my office, so I forgot to turn off. And she starts going, ar, 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 ar. <laughs> <laughs> right as I'm praying. And I, we all start busting up. Like, What's that? <laughs> oh, it's perfect timing. That was the story you should have led with. That's great. Oh, man. It was great. So anyways, on to eldership leadership. So when you're church planning, and we've talked about leadership before, um, I am a firm believer in biblical leadership. And by that, I mean our leadership structure today is not, you know, where we have pastors and assistant pastors. We made that up. That's not actually in the Bible, right? You have the, the Moses model, which is, you know, there's a pastor and everyone else is like his lackey or assistant or slave. Um, there's kind of like the, you know, or there's like the, the pastors and they're, they're like gods, you know, the gods that walk among us. And then there's everyone else who's, you know, kind of like the minions. And in the scripture, you don't really see that. Um, and, and you don't have everyone who's like the assistant, like you have a director and the assistant to Mr. Jones today is blah, blah, blah. So I want to talk about when you're church planning, it's really important that people see you as human. Um, and Jesus gave that leadership model where um, the leadership model is that you're a servant and you're there to serve God. Yes, but you're also there as an elder to serve the people. And so it, you know, uh, often with church plants, um, particularly in, in, in Titus and first and second Timothy, Paul tells both of those guys who were apostles themselves, church planners, that they were to appoint both elders and deacons. And he, both times he mentions the qualifications for each of them, uh, denoting that there were two different roles of leadership in the early church and they were different. And so, uh, I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, a lot of denominations have, um, maybe modified versions. Like for example, if you're Baptist, you know what it is to have deacons. If you're a Presbyterian, you know what it is to have elders. And then you got the guy who's usually the pastor. He's in a totally different category. Um, or maybe he's a fellow elder or what have you. And so I just want to kind of tap at that today. Cool. All right. Well, cool. I'll, uh, shall I continue? I think you should because uh, I'm I'm actually quite curious about this particular topic because, um, I mean, we've talked a little about it before on the podcast. Growing up in a Baptist church, all I knew were deacons. And uh, most of the Calvary churches that I've gone to, which is the predominant denomination I've gone to, um, even though they say they're not a denomination, they are. Um, Oh yeah. They're, you know, I, you hear the term elder a lot, don't really hear deacons. And then at our church plant, you've got both deacons and elders. And so I'm, I'm very curious about this topic. Yeah. And so here's the deal is most, most people think of, uh, an elder as kind of like, Oh, you know, that's the board. You know, they're the guys who keep me accountable and they're, they're the church board. Well, that's a mistake, really. Um, because what you're immediately thinking of is guys like secretary, you know, legally 501c3, you got a board, you need guys to make sure that the steers, uh, the ship is steered and, 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 you know, writing itself and, uh, being financially responsible. All those things are important, but that's not the board of, you know, that's like your business board. That's not your elders. And so what often happens, we've mentioned this before, um, when there's a board that's considered the elders and they're really a business board, when the pastor, uh, you know, he kind of blows up or self-destructs or has moral failure, then the board kicks in. And now you got guys that are businessmen leading the church. And I would say spiritually, but often it's not spiritual. They're usually looking at the organization. They're looking at, you know, the business of the church. 
and they're going, how do we save this business and keep it afloat? You know, now that the CEO is gone and their job is to replace the CEO. I think the New Testament has a different model. And I think if we just look into that and we, we unpack it a bit, why did you have two categories? Um, how are they set up? And, and, and so just to go back and, and give some history, um, the apostles uh, were the church planners. And so they lay a foundation. And that foundation, Paul says in different places, um, is uh, there's no other foundation that any man can lay save Christ. So it's the gospel. And so Jesus is the head pastor. If you want to talk Moses model, it's not going to be a dude. It's going to be Christ. He's the head of the church. So the only pyramid that we have in the New Testament is that Christ is the head. And so, like, for example, I was in my uh, meeting with my team, and I call my leadership team, and it's made up of elders and deacons. We meet once a month, and I was with this team. And they, um, one of them who's new, and this is the amazing thing. I am on a completely different team, like 100% different team than what I started with. And that's not because I'm a butthead and hard to get along with. It's simply because we're a church planning church and everybody who was on our team to start with is either taking a break, but still to church getting ready to come back on has decided they're not called the church plant or is out church planting. And so that, that's a healthy dynamic. That's, I mean, for me, I, you know, we just stood up and sent off our third church planner, um, on, uh, Sunday. And so for me, that this is a very healthy dynamic, but I was marveling at this team. But anyway, someone who is new on there, one of the newer deacons, uh, he and his wife, um, they made the comment, let's vote on this. And, uh, they, you know, and it's fun. We're always laughing and talking and, and I said to him, well, you'll see how we vote in a minute. And so towards the end of the meeting, we had this intense time of prayer. Um, amazing. And I'm always telling people that Christ is a leader. I'm not the leader. I don't have all the answers. I don't need to have all the answers. So when we came to a point where we're really kind of, hey, what's this going to mean for the future? My way is I, I say, hey, guys, let's pray. We all prayed. The Holy Spirit filled the room. In fact, one of our guys made a, a very provocative yet very um, challenging and prophetic statement when we're talking about a certain topic. And it immediately changed everybody's mind because it was, it was like a prophetic, hey, you know, it's like this, boom, 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 boom. And it was like here in the heart of God. It was a rousing call to do what we're called to do. Um, the guy hadn't said anything else during the whole meeting. And boom, it was like we, we all felt struck like this is the Lord. Anyways, we spent time in prayer, and when we're done, I just I I smiled and I looked at everybody and I said, "You just experience how we vote in this church," and and that's how it works. And so I'll talk more about that because, um, I think first off, voting sucks. So when you're looking at putting a team together of elders and deacons, you're not looking for a group of people that vote together. Um, so let's just let's just talk about. You know, you're looking at a, at a group of people really that their primary function is to seek the Lord together and to hear from him. And I, I know that that sounds mystical. I know that it's not um, popular. I know that you can't put it in a, in a book and say, these are the six steps to discerning the will of God. Um, no, you actually have to walk with him. You actually need to, to practice listening to God, communing with God and seeking God together. As a team, I, I think we spent somewhere around 30 to 45 minutes in prayer um, at the end of a long day, but it was so sweet. And um, and we came up from there just filled with joy and knowing this is the direction God has us. And um, so anyways, I, it's a little bit of a detour, but I just want to flesh that story out. They, these are spiritual leaders. These are not businessmen. Businessmen will rush in and try to fix everything. Um, spiritual leaders will stop and, and ask, what does the Lord think? And let's hear from him. And there is a difference. Yeah. And you know, I think what, what's really interesting to me in that the difference of dynamic is um, in the Moses model where you've got, you know, King Tut basically saying, this is the way it is. And everyone just kind of falls in the line. Um, there's not room 
for other people to have opinions. There's going to be a lot of dissent and, oh, you know, we should be doing it this way. In the voting model, to me, that's a very, uh, you know, Western idea of, yeah. you know, we should all get to vote. And then, you know, we let democracy rule. The majority goes. But that's it's, that's not – I mean, that's not biblical. I don't, yeah, and I don't it, remember really anyone voting. That you're saying that. that. I do Sorry. remember them casting lots, though. That that should be the model. I think they should – you know, we should have like a paradise, you know, and, and be ready to cast some lots. Well, in the casting lots thing, like it's interesting that you bring up how voting is not biblical because – I didn't say voting is not biblical. I just said I don't – I mean, to me, saying something's not biblical is – Different than just saying it's not. I, in the Bible. I, yeah, and fair point. But I, I get what you're saying where you're saying it's not the biblical model. And in the casting lots, I mean, why didn't they vote? You know, why? I mean, gosh, that would because they wanted months. the Holy Spirit to decide. Exactly. Like, so the casting lots was them taking their hands off the steering wheel and going, "Lord, we don't want to get that. We don't want to vote." Of course, in the Baptist, we say they were gambling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. So you know, this is what Pete. Pete says when he goes to Las Vegas, I'm casting lots to see if it's a Lord's widow. <laughs> Come on, Red. <laughs> Come on, Lord. Show me your plan. But uh, but I blaspheme. Um, so here's here's the deal, right? Um, no, I, I don't. I think God has a sense of humor. But you probably haven't lasted this long. <laughs> With us, if you don't think the Lord has a sense of humor, case well, you point, know right? God has a sense of humor because you oh, always absolutely. bring up farting. It's <laughs> funny in it. every every people group. God's the ultimate comedian, man. All the funny stuff in life, other than the nasty stuff, that's a perversion. But there are so many funny things in life. You're like, all right, Lord, you have a sense of humor. You gave us the capacity. Plus, you know, Jesus, he was funny, man. He sons of thunder. Come on, that's funny stuff. But anyways, um, so here's the deal. Uh, the, the, so here's the difference between elders and deacons. And let me just say that you need deacons, okay? And I'll, I'll hold that for a second. Here's the difference. An elder is just the term elder um, implies a, a, a council, a plurality. And so in the scripture, pastors and elders are used interchangeably. So an elder can be a shepherd. This is the reason I, I differ from Neil Cole. Neil Cole uh, wrote a book called Primal Fire. It was um, on the same uh, theme as Church Zero. Cha-ching! Um, I sent Neil a copy of Church Zero. Um, he appreciated my quotes and used uh, many of them in his book, um, which, you know, was, was a compliment. But uh, the, uh, the deal is he actually says that the... Um, five roles in Ephesians four were deacons. So, well, the reason I can't go with that, and, and I, I was fascinated to read that and, and to get his take on it. The reason I can't go with that is that the apostles, Paul, uh, Peter calls himself a fellow elder. Um, when he's appearing, he says pastors and elders, those terms used interchangeably. And he says, I am a fellow elder. Um, also in the scripture, um, like I said, shepherd and elder are used interchangeably. And if the elder is a shepherd, then the, then those five roles, I believe, are eldership positions, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. So that right there, to me, when I see a leader, um, I see that right away it needs to be a plurality. And so I raised the, 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 the topic in Church Zero um, that when I was in seminary, they used to ask, how many elders should you have for a congregation? And one of the, 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 that no one could say, you know, we had to make it up. We were like, um, one per every hundred people, one per every 25. And they were like, well, you know, as many as you can, um, realistically minister to, but they were thinking the shepherd teacher model only. And for me, I've come to understand that the people of God need an apostle pulling on them, uh, to, to take the church and make them missionaries. Uh, they need a prophet pulling on them to uh, help them to discern the gifting of the Holy Spirit and the voice of God. They, they cut through all, all the red tape to get to that. Um, they need an evangelist to continually be preaching the gospel in their midst so they keep hearing the gospel. They need a shepherd 
to be touchy-feely, disciple them, and help them apply the word to their problems. And lastly, they need a teacher to deepen their understanding. And they need that at all times. But those five roles together make up an elder team. And they are all spiritual leaders, and they will help the church to grow to look like Jesus, if that makes sense. It does. I get it. Yeah. And so in the scripture, um, Paul has that one passage where he says, so right away, it's team. Needs to be team. You can't just be you. I am the elder, right? Or I am the pastor. And I have these underlings that are in a level beneath me called my elders. Um, that they're like, they're not even assistant pastors, right? Um, a lot of times you see where the elders are like, you know, they're, they're wannabe ministers, but then you got the pastor class, you know, they're like the gold card members. They're like, Hey, you know, I made it and uh, I get to go to the country club and I get to go to the pastor's conference and where the black lanyard. And, uh, you know, the, the, the elders are like, I wish I could go, but it never happens because after all, they're just wannabes. They have full-time jobs doing other things. That's not biblical. So the elders were a team leadership of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. I beat that to death. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and, and Paul mentions that their role is to govern. Now, there's people who have a hard time with this. They're like, oh, you know, it doesn't mean to govern. Well, it doesn't mean to rule, but it does mean to lead. And leadership is always servant leadership. So if I'm an apostolic leader, I lead the congregation by being the first guy out on the front lines. Um, if I'm an evangelistic leader, I lead the congregation by um, uh, being the first guy to share the gospel. But I'm always equipping the people that I serve. So my role is, yes, I'm always leading out in front, modeling it. You model it. If you don't model it, your people won't become it. You have to model what you want your people to become. And so the uh, apostle models, you know, the, the frontline aspect of ministry. The teacher models this deep study and deep appreciation and love for the word of God. And he inspires that in the people that he ministers to. And so as you do that, you, you pull on your, your congregation, but to govern means you lead. In other words, you, you're, you're leading, but you're, you're following to lead the people. So like I said, Jesus is the senior pastor. He's the boss and you're not a boss as an elder. You lead, but that doesn't make you the boss. What you do is in order to be a good leader, you have to first be a good follower. So you have to follow Jesus and you follow him as a team. So when, for example, on our team, we don't always agree. And I've never been in a team leadership where we always agree. But again, this is our voting where we disagree. We come together and we pray. That's how we vote. We pray. And we we lay out the points. And right away, because I'm not the boss, there's not this angst. Number one, no one's kissing my butt. Number two, people aren't worried about going against what I say. Um, we talk about it. We respectfully, understanding our different roles, share. I, I admit, hey, I'm an apostolic guy. I'll blow this church up. You know, um, I'll destroy it and wreck it without the balance of you other guys on this team. The the teacher goes, hey, you know, uh, I'm a teacher, so I'm always thinking the word. But um, if we just did that all the time, the church wouldn't grow because we'd never get off our butts and get out there. We just sit around reading books and drinking coffee. So you need this balance. And so there's this healthy understanding that not any one guy in this room is the end all be all. Together, we look like Jesus. Together, we hear the voice of God because we each have an emphasis that when it comes together and you put those four or five notes in harmony, it actually makes a beautiful symphony. And so, you know, otherwise it's just, you know, the guy banging the, 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 the cymbal. And like Paul says, um, he's just clashing a gong. So you need the body, the parts working together. But all that to say, um, we pray. So if I go, hey, you know, Chris over there thinks this, Charlie thinks that, and I think this. Um, what we'll do is if the three of us disagree or the two of us, it is Chris and I now, um, it's like, well, there must be a third way. Or if Charlie were there, there must be a fourth way. And it must incorporate all of these things. And we find normally we come before the Lord and we say, hey, God, um, this is what we're feeling. 
and you know, show us your way. And he does every single time. Period. And 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 people don't believe that because they've been in business, they've been, you know, and I've learned with people on boards, man, they can be the biggest buttholes. I mean, really, they can because they bring all this crap from the workplace into uh, a pastor's leadership meeting. And they've been used to playing all kinds of political games. And somehow they just, you can, you can, you can stink the room up with that stuff. And when you just sort of like, Hey, Jesus is in this room and we need to hear from him. This is his church. We are stewards. We are representatives of him. And he is very much a present. It's a game changer. And he honors that. I don't know how to put it because I feel like there'd be skeptical people listening going, Oh, well, no, that sounds, try it. Just try it is all I can say. How do you find people to put in those roles when you're, that's an awesome, yeah, no, finding your board and all that? Because I see to me, most of the church planners that we've dealt with either in jump school, cha-ching, or, uh, you know, have called us from the podcast or, you know, reached out Cha-ching? to us. <laughs> well, there's no money. Well, I guess the sponsors, right? Cha-ching. Um, I would say that's where their heart's at. Like most of the people that we deal with and that we uh, attract, it's not the guy who's like, oh, I didn't get a mega church. So I'm going to go out there and start my own. And, you know, I'm going to start my own mega church. Those guys aren't attracted to us, right? So I think that's. That's what our pastors have is that desire to do what God wants them to do. So my question is, how do they, how do they get a team that's like that? Because that's a, that's a tall order. I think that often what happens, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> you start off, um, with a bunch of people and they've never seen this before. Um, they've, they've never actually been a part of a team. So like, like my team the other day where I just said, you, you'll see how we vote in a minute. And, you know, and then after this intense time where the presence of God just fills a room um, and we're just, we're just like, it, it's been a long day. We're tired, but everybody, you could just, I don't know how to put it. It's like, God just filled the room. Like, what do you say? Like he's with us, you know, people were getting saved that day. People got saved the Sunday before and we're just, we're just blown away. Like, Lord, you're awesome. You know? And, uh, and so I think again, you model it, but what, here's what I do. This is, this is a really good point. Um, Paul talks about those who would, um, he says, first let them serve as deacons for those who serve well as deacons, uh, earn good, a good standing with, uh, God and men. And, and I think that one of the things that, uh, that I found helpful is first off, um, when I find a guy who's just serving and I should mention not guy, I, I often say guy and my wife takes me out. First thing to note about elders and deacons, um, one of the major mistakes we're making in the church is we're not putting couples in those roles. And Paul very clearly outlines that this is a couple's deal, right? Um, we always expect that a pastor who goes into ministry, his wife's going to be a part of that. I mean, I can just tell you from filling out tons of applications, uh, with, with, you know, different people, missions agencies on and on, um, or, or whatever it is I've done over the years. Um, you factor the wife in and Paul does too. So, I believe very strongly we have teams. So male and females will be in my meetings In my elders meetings. It'll be, it'll be all of us in my, um, D, D, uh, my ministry team meeting every month. It's husbands and wives because that is the biblical model. And people, uh, kind of hear Paul go for, you know, the, the elder when he says, I don't allow a woman to teach and have authority over a man. Um, right away, that verse, um, has been so taken out of context. Um, the scenario there was particularly in Ephesus. Um, you had, 
females who were remember Diana of the Ephesians. It was a very matriarchal society. And what you had um, was there was a, um, a, a matriarchal headship model that was forming in the church where a woman was shepherding um, and she was, it was like the Moses model, but with a woman. See, team leadership, when Paul says that, think of Paul's team uh, leadership model. If, if you had a team leadership there, number one, that knocks the Moses model on its head. You get rid of that. The tyranny of some guy who goes, I'm the boss here because I'm the leader. Team leadership immediately gets rid of that. But number two, you are not ever in violation of Paul's forbidding women to hold that position if you're in team leadership. Because here's the way it works. Um, men shepherd men. I disciple and shepherd men and men only. I never shepherd and disciple females. Period. I don't train female church planners. But my wife does. She disciples females. And so you would say, my wife shepherds females. So half of the church, um, I, I can't reach. I can't touch. That's how adultery happens. That's how lines get crossed. That's how many of my friends have ended poorly in ministry because they didn't finish because of moral failure, because they smile. Oh, that wouldn't happen to me. I, I'll get close and intimate with a female who's not my wife. I'm going to tell you something. Women, when they come to me for counseling, I say, Hey, I'd like you to meet Andrea, you know, and, uh, and that's how it works. So right away, we've got to understand that there's a reason why Paul and Timothy and Titus gives qualifications, not just for the males who are going to be elders, but he says their wives also. And literally in the Greek, it says the women likewise. So for me, ministry is all about team. My wife and I are one. And if I'm called, she's called. If she's called, I'm called. Make sense? Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and so we're not, we're not hitting, hitting on this in the church that Paul's violation, um, and for, or his, for his restriction in first Timothy, um, if you have a team leadership, uh, a couple's leadership, which is rare, but I feel is very biblical based on the, the passages I quoted. Um, it just like where Paul says, can I not take my believing wife also like Peter? Right. Peter took his wife. They were a ministry couple, Aquila and Priscilla. And I could just keep going on. But the reality is that we don't have time. But um, but that's how it looks. Right. And in the same with deacons, he says the same for deacons. So they must not be a gossip. They must be modest. They must, you know, on and on. So uh, there's requirements for the females because they're going to be a couple's team. And that's pretty revolutionary, I think, for a lot of church planners listening right now. To realize that, well, yeah, it is kind of like my wife is my number one church planning partner. She's the one I talk to. Well, there's a reason it's like that, guys, because it's biblical, right? It's how God designed it. So you might as well start inviting the wives. Now, if if you do start meeting as, as couples and um, the wife is a gossip and the wife is this and the wife is that, then that couple is disqualified. Or they need to repent. I mean, it's that simple. That's why Paul has those things. You might be like, the dude's cool, but the chick is a nightmare. Well, they're not called, right? Or um, they need to take a break and they need to get their house in order, right? Like like any leader, you'd ask him. You'd ask that of yourself. So uh, it, these things, it doesn't change the principle. The individual situation needs to yield to the principle. The principle needs to dictate. We don't bend the principle according to the situation. So how do you find them? Yeah. Oh, I should answer your question, huh? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so like I was saying earlier, um, the deacon um, needs to be somebody who serves. And, and so like, let's say back in pillar church years ago, um, nine months, you know, we had a core team and I got to know everybody and some of those people became our leaders, um, not all of them, but some of them. And then nine months after the launch, so 18 months after I met these people, because we were all strangers when we came together, uh, we started with outreach and people came through that outreach in Starbucks. And Refuge, very much the same. Um, in both cases, I waited months till putting on leadership. And the reason why is that you need to... Um, 
you need to get to know people and you need to observe them. So what I like to do is go before the church and say, by now, it will be very obvious who the deacons are. And I define deacons as servants. That's what it means. And so when when Paul says, let them serve first, um, he's saying that they need to um, they need to exhibit that servant leadership. Um, they just need to serve. And so uh, usually your church can predict. Like it would be obvious to look at our church, see who serves, and go, oh, well, those should be the deacons. Um, that people just know. And I've always been able to say that in a church plant where, you know, by now it's obvious and it is, you know, and, um, and, and so I look for people who serve. And then if they're a deacon, what's going to happen during the time of them serving as a deacon is they're, they're either going to exhibit signs of, you know, um, eldership where, and, and by the way, this is how I pick my elders. So I hope that answers a question about who's a deacon. And who's an elder? I start seeing those qualities listed out in Ephesians for apostle, shepherd, teacher, but also a sense of sacrifice. For me, the thing that, that, you know, like Jesus said, the greatest leader among you would be the servant of all. I think it's the guy who makes the biggest sacrifice, including the team leader. So if you have a, an eldership team, there's always going to be a team leader. I don't care. I'll walk into any church, any back room before I preach. And I can always, because I've been in ministry 22 years, I can always tell who the power broker is. And I'll walk in and just be like, okay, that's the, he may not even be the pastor. It might be the elder that's just, you know, he's, he's got the, 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 the pastor by the, you know, <laughs> by the, you knows. And so, you know, it's kind of like, there's always a power broker. And my thought, and, and this is biblical too, because, you know, Obviously, in the New Testament, James is the leader of the Jerusalem church. Peter uh, is the leader at first. He's the team leader. Then he leaves. James takes over. Peter goes off. Um, <laughs> Catholics say he, he led Rome and the entire world and became the first pope. That's a whole nother story. Um, but the, uh, you know, but you see these leaders like Paul, right? Um, Paul is the leader of his team, right? And, and, and so, uh, he writes about James, John, and Peter when he goes to Jerusalem in Galatians. He writes, "For I perceive that they were pillars, and um, so they were kind of like the strength." Is what he's saying. You know, they were the maybe the preeminent leaders um, in the Jerusalem church. They just they took the lead of the team, and um, of course, John heads out to Ephesus, and like I said, James stays. But, but there's always a team leader and the team leader, as far as I'm concerned, would be the guy who's willing to make the uh, biggest sacrifice. You don't earn that by any, like, so the guy who's like, I remember I got hired years ago to go to a church and they practiced the old bait and switch. They heard me preach. They, they uh, hired me and they gave me a contract. I signed it. And then, and I should have known, but I was young. But I should have known they handed me another contract. They took it back and said, Oh, can you sign this one instead? And what it did is it, it took the term pastor, which to them was a way of saying, cause it was an elder run church. Um, it was, it was a way of them saying team leader, right? Pastors, team leader in, in that particular subculture. They took it back and made me preaching elder. What I came to find out later was the guy who worked his full time job. Um, who had been kind of holding the bag for a long time, didn't want to lose the power. And so when I got there, um, they got all weird and scared and, you know, and, and made me, you know, reworded the contract, a little bait and switch once I got there. And I didn't care. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I don't care what you call me. Well, what I didn't realize at that time was the dynamics were he didn't want to stop being the team leader. So I, if, in his eyes, I was kind of like the junior elder. It quickly became apparent to them that that was not the case in my eyes, that I saw myself as a team leader. And the reason I saw myself as a team leader was this guy had his cushy job where he got paid big money. And to me, that that was like, hey, I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what your job is. Um, I eat, sleep, and breathe this church. Um, late at night, I lay awake thinking about it. I've given my whole life. I've taken a major pay cut to be here. You pay me like a chump, right? I have to be bivocational. 
Um, I'm, 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 I'm on the toilet. I mean, forgive me for this. But I'm on the toilet all Sunday morning because, you know, my guts are coming out because I'm so nervous. I'm getting ready to stand on the pulpit and preach the word. I'm out there talking to the community. I'm giving my blood, sweat, and tears to this place. So for me, that's cool that you want to be the team leader as a weekend hobbyist, but uh, that's not going to happen because you got to earn that to be the team leader. You got to earn that position. You got to earn that role. If you want to lead the team, then like Jesus said, be the biggest servant. And if you're ready to lay your life down for these sheep, hey, you can have that that position as team leader anytime you want. And I and I honestly didn't care who had it. But as far as I was concerned, it was really weird that he'd be working like 16-hour days sometimes because um, he was ahead of uh, the education for an entire county. Um, so his day, it was like being a politician. He was never around. So it was a joke to have this guy uh, try to be the team leader. And uh, it, it didn't work out. Would you say that it was a joke because he wasn't around? I would say it was a joke, not just for that reason, but also for his understanding of power and Mm. um, his understanding of leadership was very unbiblical. And so for me, like anyone who served with me, including this podcast, like, you know, you, you know, from listening to this podcast, I'm not thinking I'm like, you know, like I don't need people to show me immense amounts of respect. I want to get the job done. I want to reach the loss. That's, that's my key thing. In fact, the other day, um, it was really funny because we're in our, our, our meeting. And again, the deacons, this is how we do our meeting. Um, the elders, we're going to make the final decisions, right? We're going to go away together. And we're going to say, what do you feel the Lord's saying? Boom, boom, boom. And we're going to come. And if we disagree, like I said, we will seek the Lord until we find the third option, right? It's not going to, I'm not going to trump him. So I don't have any more authority. We're equal in authority. Um, but I might lead the team. I take responsibility for the team. But, but when we're together with the deacons, I want to hear from them. They are, they are my, my troops on the ground. I'm not a general. It's not a hierarchy, but these guys are serving their guts out. So what, before Chris and I make decisions, or if it's me and Charlie and Chris or whoever, I am going to listen to every word they have to say. And I'm going to factor that in as if it came from the Lord himself. And I'm going to take all that to the Lord. And I'm going to listen to that. And that's a way to respect those who are serving on my team. Um, and I've just learned that there's no harm in that. So like I said, you know, we listen to our, 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 our deacons. Um, that's the purpose of our meeting once a month is to listen to them, to tell them what we're thinking, what we've been praying about, to get their feedback. And then we don't make decisions always there. Sometimes like, like the other day, um, a decision came up and they all disagreed. Every one of them disagreed with the way that Chris and I were going on some. And we listened and heard him out. And, uh, and, and I didn't give a decision because I figured, well, Chris and I need to talk. But when every single person on my team doesn't buy in to where we're going, and it wasn't like a super huge deal, I, I listened. And I just said to him, well, you guys raised a really good point. And this is how they know to get me, right? If they really want me to listen – my team has learned what you do with Peyton is you tell him that it's going to get in the way of people meeting Jesus. And that's, that's, that was like the card that they pulled. They all kind of in unison were saying, look, we just feel this is going to be a roadblock for people who, who want to come to Christ. And, and that was like all they had to say. <laughs> it's like, if, you know, if you're going to work your man, ladies, you know, you make him tasty food just the way he likes it, you know, kind of like Isaac did or, uh, Rebecca did, right? For Isaac. Um, she tells Jacob, go make him tasting food the way he likes it. And, and, and so there's a way to work people sometimes. I don't think they were working people. I think it was legit. And it, it got me to go back to Chris and say, Hey, man, you know, I just, I, I hear what they're saying, but we're going to go away together and make the decisions. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not above, even though they're not the ones making the decisions, I'm not above hearing them. And saying, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe we're not seeing everything here, Chris. Maybe we gotta, we gotta go back and look at this. Does that make sense? It does. What was your question? Did I even answer it? <laughs> well, no, my question was, you know, how do you find them? How do you hire them? And basically what you said was you start them out at one level, see how they work, see if they rise up, 
and that's how you basically promote. So you know, let them what, volunteer. What was your last question? You you just asked a question. I I'm not sure I answered. I don't it. even remember at this point. <laughs> just stop talking. I stopped talking listening to you about 45 minutes ago when we quit Smack Talk. Yeah, yeah. I have been kind of hogging the airwaves on this one. Well, it's it's interesting because in some ways it does kind of remind me of uh, of the business world in um, and in other ways. Obviously, it's very very different. Like my general philosophy in business is, if you have a financial interest in the decision, like in most business arenas, uh, I'm the I'm the main decision maker. But if you got a financial interest. I will listen to anything you have to say. I don't even care how small your financial interest is. You know, someone's a a 5% owner of a company or a 1% because the way I look at it is no one's going to be, no one's going to intentionally screw up their own financial interests, right? We're we're aligned in that regards. So I'm going to listen to what they have to say. It doesn't mean I'm going to necessarily go along with it, but I'm going to listen to what they have to say, but I won't, value or take anyone's opinion who has no financial interest. So like Mm. employees will always try and get you to spend your money to do other stuff. And I honestly, I'm like, dude, that doesn't matter to me. Like you're, you're, you don't have a financial interest in this. We're, we are not aligned. Like your job is to get more money from me, not make me more money. Like that's the way you see it. Yeah. And, and here's the thing is, you know, there'll be times where my team, does not have buy-in and I know I'm right. Um, for example, like certain things, um, like one, one of the issues that came up, they were talking about, um, we do announcements at the end and somebody was like, you know, uh, Hey, you know, we're doing the announcements at the end. You know, we normally, you know, that's such a break. Like maybe someone's busted up after the message and we, you know, we need to call them to pray and to come up forward and get prayer or whatever. And Andrea spoke up and she's like, well, actually, if we do the groups right, um, that's all meant to happen in the groups. And, and what's interesting is our groups have, our church has really been on this journey when it comes to the groups. We did outdoor church, you know, we, we've done all these different things. And so it's never quite been what pillar was because we're always experimenting and changing and trying new things. But, Here's the deal. We've been inside. Now we're doing groups inside the building, sitting in wooden chairs, which is really unnatural. But, um, but, but what Andrew said is beautiful where she goes, look, um, really, uh, the people as it's starting as discussion now, but soon those groups are going to be little powerhouses where as people open up in discussion, they start getting real, start feeling safe, getting real, sharing their struggles. When that happens, someone else's spiritual gift kind of perks up and they go, Hey, well, you know, and they speak into their life, maybe a prophecy, maybe just, you know, some whiz gift of wisdom or whatever it is. And then there's prayer. Maybe that person breaks down. So all the stuff that would normally happen up front in a traditional church where you go, come on up if you want prayer. Well, no one does that really anyways. Right. I mean, people don't tend to go up. For prayer nowadays, are consumers and they're they're not looking to do business with God, and so which is sad, but it's it's truth, right? The way we've done church now is you're a consumer, um, consumer religious goods. You you watch the show and you go home, you know. Um, but what Andrew was saying was was very powerful that we're empowering our people to be ministers. We're empowering our people to shepherd to counsel, to do all those things. And so you don't need to call someone to the front of the room. We made that up. Shouldn't that happen? Like as people are talking and just, shouldn't that just be something naturally that people start learning to do? And so we're like, so, you know, the announcements becomes a way of wrapping up the service and telling everybody, Hey, time to go home, everybody. And by the way, before you go, I gotta tell you a few things. Boom. You know, so anyways, that is uh, it's not by any means the um, the end all be all of everything on elders and deacons, but deacons serve um, elders lead and um, and by leading. Sometimes that means making the decisions 
And uh, that is the way that the New Testament lays it out. I think you'll find diaconates is a great place to get people on the team behind the scenes to examine them, to observe them before you put them in any kind of eldership responsibility. Um, and it's just God knew what he was doing, man. It's safe. It's it 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 just it allows you to to be safe and secure as your discipling leader. So that's what I would say about that. I dig it. Well, just in finishing up, uh, I just want to remind everyone: if you haven't already enrolled in the Great Ephraim Smith Book Giveaway, you want to do that. And uh, we're giving away three books from Ephraim Smith. You can register at free churchplannermagazine.com. Just throw in your email address there and you will be on the list and we will be announcing on the June 8th podcast who the winner is. Again, free.churchplannermagazine.com. And also today's podcast was brought to you by simplifychurch.com, another one of our sponsors, um, headed by Josh Henry, a fellow church planner and a guy who knows how to do your books and help you to stay uh, safe, to stay compliant with the IRS, and also to help you uh, even budget and do all the stuff that you don't want to do. You can check them out at simplifychurch.com, and they will save you a lot of time and a lot of headache, and especially towards the end of the year, a lot of work, because you have a responsibility to get all of your donors the tax receipts for the IRS. And that is a job that they do, not to mention payroll and all the other things we've mentioned before. That's simplifychurch.com. And this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music